horn goes. Your Tron Maple Leafs finish this one with a victory, five to four over the visiting Detroit Red Wings. What a hectic third period that was. Man, oh man, that was not the ending I saw coming after the first two periods in this one. From a game that started off so tight and uh, checking and, you know, open, uh, it was pretty low scoring for a game that, you know, wasn't very uh, system and structure based. Uh, both teams gave up their fair chances uh, and both teams, uh, you know, capitalized uh, at different points of the game on those uh, mistakes by both teams. But it was clear that the Leafs were the better team in this one. Um, you know, certainly uh, if you watch this game and the analytics prove that one. Um, so the Leafs did get a two point in which they deserved against a Detroit team that, you know, they have kind of been under the radar this year, but they are tough to play against. And they were coming off a of back-to-back after, um, you know, uh, overtime loss to the Florida Panthers, who remain undefeated. So, you know, they took them to OT uh, to come into this one. It was a must-win for the Leafs with the homestand coming up with good teams coming to town. So it was good to get it on the board um, early in this one. Uh, well, it was actually kind of late in the first period. Uh Muzzin scored 19 minutes and 46 seconds into the game. Literally seconds left uh, in the first period. Muzzin just kind of wristed one, uh, you know, found its way in the back of the net. Wasn't exactly a spectacular goal, but, you know, Muzzin's not known for his uh, scoring touch. So whenever Jake gets on the board, that's always a uh, plus. Uh, Then we head into the second period. Uh, You know, the Leafs kind of dominated play. Uh, They were passing it around, cycling the puck. Uh, then uh, they gave up a penalty to Detroit. Uh, Detroit on the power play capitalizes. Philip Zadina, his second of the season, um, you know, just over the glove side of Peter. Uh, Peter making his home debut in this one. Um, you know, obviously he didn't get to finish his first uh, game as a Leaf, so this was kind of, you know, a nice uh, opening towards Leafs Nation. Uh, we did get the win, so he did get a win for a stat line, but it wasn't the best game from him. Um, maybe that was some rust or, you know, uh, just getting back into it, but we definitely need to see better from Peter moving on. But uh, So let's get back into the game here. Uh, Michael Bunting got his third of the season. You know, my boy that I told you guys I was so excited for this signing, and he keeps on proving to me uh, right. Michael got his third. It was a power play goal assisted by Jason Spezza and Nick Ritchie. Richie finally getting on the board on the stat sheet here. I've been waiting for that. Uh, Richie, uh, you know, that's somebody that had high expectations on coming into the season. And so far, he hasn't really lived up to it. I think he's. it's a mix of, you know, the way uh, Keefe is using him and also the player himself. So um, don't panic yet, Leafs Nation. I know he is getting paid high uh, compared to other depth players on this team. But eventually his time will shine. And I think we're going to see that soon once he gets, you know, used properly. Uh, then let's fast forward to the third, 17 seconds into the period. Kerfoot scores, assisted by Muzzin and Tavares. Um, this was, you know, right off the bat. Uh, this kicked off a hectic third period, as I mentioned. Because uh, then literally like a minute and 36 seconds after, uh, Joe Valeno scores, uh, assisted by Rasmussen. So Valeno was just called up. Um, after Bertuzzi, uh, you know, not being able to go due to vaccine complications. So Valeno got on the board. Um, you know, he's a good young prospect, uh, played for Team Canada at the World Juniors. So 
Then about six minutes later, John gets on the board, his third of the season, assisted by Morgan Riley and Alexander Kerfoot. Uh, Leafs at this point were up three to two. Uh, sorry, four to two. Um, so you know, uh, that should have been, you know, a comfortable spot if you're watching the game uh, midway through the third and you're up four to two. But knowing the Leafs, uh, you always got to keep watching because you never know how this game's gonna end, which exactly proved uh, me right with what I just said. So uh, Nemestikov scored literally three minutes after that, uh, assisted by Jonathan Osterley and Joe Villeneuve. Um, then Marner scored, uh, that was a terrible, uh, defensive play by Detroit all around, you know, Thomas Gray's kind of gave up a weak goal on that, but just when you think that the Leafs have a nice five to three lead with, you know, barely any time on the clock left, somehow Philip Pronick scores assisted by Zadina and Lucas Raymond, uh, which definitely got Leaf Nation worried for sure with 29 seconds on the board and, uh, Detroit only needed one shot really uh, to tie this one. Uh, so then these last 29 seconds, Mrazek, you know, got almost caught out of position. I was losing my mind. I was at the game, uh, section 309, you know, with my hands on my head, like, oh man, if that went in. Uh, but shortly after that, the horn went. Um, Leafs Nation was celebrating a nice victory to kick off the homestand. In very impressive fa- uh, fashion, sorry. Um, you know, we're going to welcome Vegas here on Tuesday night. That's going to be a tough one. Vegas is always, um, you know, one of the best in the league. And then we got Tampa right after that, followed by Boston. So the next three are definitely going to be, you know, tough games. But uh, I have faith in this Leafs team as they have now evened their record out to 4-4-1. Four, four, and one. Uh, They sit fifth in the Atlantic so good things ahead of way better uh, last couple games than what we saw prior uh, to the game against Chicago. So let's start off with, you know, as I mentioned, the Tavares line. What a performance. Honestly, what a performance. Uh, you look at the stat sheet, uh, they're all over it. You look at the advanced analytics, they were the best forward line by far in this one like it's not even close um their expected goals for in this game were at a you know 0.941 but their expected goals against were 0.067 their on ice goals for were four their on ice goals against were zero they had 15 shot attempts for with eight shot attempts against what a performance from this line totally bringing it in this one without this line showing up like they did tonight there is no way the Leafs uh, get the two points like they did um, the expected goals for that line was 93.3% which is a really good stat um, the Matthews line which wasn't the best in this one I know Michael Bunting scored as I said but that was on the power play too uh, so the Matthews line had a 66% goals for a 60% uh, Corsi and a 54% Fenwick, which they weren't horrible. Uh, they just, you know, that was kind of a, a Leafs line tonight that we've seen almost consecutively throughout games where it's just, you know, mediocre. They got chances, they give up chances. Uh, a line that was actually kind of impressive tonight was the 
uh, Engvall camp Kashe line. Um, you know, if you watch the game, their on ice shots on goal was ten, and their on ice shots goal uh, shots on goal against were only four. So, um, for a team for you know a team that uses that line kind of as their uh, defensive unit with Camp and Engvall, uh, they certainly got their job done um, when needed to be called upon. But as we transition to the defensive side, obviously the fourth line for the Leafs will always be that fourth line for the Leafs. Some days they can get two goals. Some days they can go pointless and minus two. But today they were just, you know, solid. They helped the Leafs get a win in this one. No real um, eye-popping advanced analytics for me to talk about. So, like I said, I'm going to fast-forward to the defensive pairings. Muzzin and Brody. I know. Muzzin and Brody. Can you believe how good of a performance these two put on tonight? Now, Muzzin started off the game the first 10 minutes. I was losing my mind um, at the game. Muzzin almost got beat out. Detroit almost led 1-0. That almost was another, you know, play caused by Muzzin. Uh, So I was like, I was really nervous um, after seeing that. I was like, no, like, we can't have this again. But after that, they settled in really nice, uh, Muzzin and Brody together. Uh, the on-ice expected goals for was 1.027, and their on-ice expected goals against was 0.49. 0.49 for a pairing that played 16 minutes and two seconds together. That is incredible. Um, they were really solid throughout the game in this one. Um, but, if like, obviously, uh, the team played all together well in this one. That's why they won, but... The Lilligren and Sandine line was also impressive. Uh, the skating was there. The speed was there at the play. They followed up with Detroit's young uh, stars. Um, they didn't get beat that much. Uh, their advanced analytics are clearly better than the Dermot and Riley pairing, which kind of disappointed me tonight. I know Dermot's had a really solid uh, start to the season here, and Morgan's more known for his offensive abilities, but... Um, this pairing just didn't look like they worked out well. I don't think they worked out well in the second preseason game, I believe, um, which was against the Canadians, which I talked about in one of the podcast episodes already. Uh, I don't know if they mix well together. Um, I probably, if I was Keith moving forward, maybe might switch Lilligren, um, and Dermot because we've seen the success of Sandine and Dermot together. And who knows, maybe Riley and Lilligren, can find some success with Hall out of the lineup. Um, but honestly, I think Lilligren did an amazing job filling in for Justin Hall tonight. I, I want to see him in the game against Vegas. I think he's earned it after this performance. The advanced analytics on that young pairing what, uh, are really good. Um, you know, you can make a comparison. They were the best pairing tonight, but they did only play um, 11 minutes and 19 seconds together. So... They obviously played against weaker um, lines than what Muzzin and Brody played, but you know, for the two young uh, defensemen that have so much riding on them and so much pressure from Leafs Nation, certainly lived up to it tonight. Uh, now speaking about Morazic, uh, he didn't really have a great night tonight. I didn't like the first goal. Um, you know, the other goals were kind of tips and uh, unlucky. The Detroit fourth goal was a bit weak too, you know, a uh, bit of a head scratcher. Uh, 
But Mrazek, when he's healthy, um, he can certainly play, and he's a great goalie. Um, it's just going to come down to how long, like how much he can stay healthy and for how long because uh, we know that he can miss extensive amount of time. Like he got hurt in the first game literally through two periods. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be all uh, up on his health moving forward. Uh, I can't pinpoint this game on him, uh, but, you know, definitely need to see better out of him. So that's it for the Leafs versus Detroit Red Wings recap. But before I end the show, there's a couple things I want to touch up on. And the first one being Morgan Riley's contract. Uh, yes, for those of you that are aware, Morgan Riley signed his eight-year, $7.5 million extension. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, My immediate thoughts on that one. Uh, obviously, we're going to speak more on this uh, when we got our weekly episode in with my co-host Bryson and Poza and uh, others of the show. But my opinion so far, um, I think this might be actually Dubas's best contract that he's given out yet. I know that sounds uh, crazy to some people, but if you think about it, he found a way to give Morgan a raise, um, only really using the Kessel cap. Um, that we're going to be getting after this season, uh, you know, as we're still paying him to play for other teams. And he used the combination of what is rumored uh, the cap is going to be raised to. So this Leafs team doesn't really have to panic sell players to make that contract work for next year. Uh, they're in a comfortable spot. Obviously, you know, it's going to be another t- cap tight summer trying to fit in the remaining piece of the roster, but this could have been a lot worse. If you let Morgan go, I'm sure some team would have came up with a $9 million offer. Uh, if you saw what the defenseman um, got this summer, you know, example, Seth Jones. Uh, if you look at the analytics, uh, for sure you can make a case that Morgan um, is better than Seth. So, um, you know, teams, when they're in desperate times, will pay hefty contracts. So, for sure letting Morgan hit the open market would have been a massive mistake and Leafs would have been in a crazy bidding war and probably would have let another asset walk uh, for free, basically. So on that side, I love the Riley extension. I think Morgan is a really good player. Um, I think he full deserves, fully deserves that extension. Uh, he's done a lot for the city and basically meant everything to the city at one point when the Leafs were having their really bad down years. So I'm happy to see Mo stick around. I think he loves his team. I think the team loves him. So, um, you know, good on that part. But the part where I I just, um, you know, kind of, I guess, don't like, but there's something like I don't hate this move at all. But after a great start like Sandine has had, I would have liked to see maybe the Leafs give Sandine a chance. Uh, to kind of take, you know, Morgan's role. Um, Sandine's numbers across the board, advanced analytically. Uh, he's actually right, well, he was prior to tonight, the second best pairing in the NHL with Travis. Um, obviously, respect to Travis, he has had a much better start to the season than we've seen in the past. Um, but Lilig- I mean, but Sandin's been 
you know, absolutely stellar through these first few games uh, to start the season. So only ahead of them was Charlie McAvoy out in Boston and Matt Grizzlick. That's the number one pairing. So these guys are right there at two. So, you know, um, obviously Sandine would need a raise, but I think it probably you could have maybe found a bridge deal somewhere in there um, where it keeps the Leafs, you know, flexible if he did, let's say, fall apart. Um, but it also gives the Leafs an advantage uh, cap space-wise where they can go out and add more pieces uh, if they just went with Sandine uh, taking over Riley's role. Obviously, you know, that's easy to say. That's video game type stuff, just throwing into somebody a role like that. Um, so from that perspective, um, that's where I love the Morgan signing. I think with the Matthews deal, you really only have three years. Uh, this window It's only about like three years until we can get the full confirmation that Matthews will be back. I think Matthews will be back. I don't buy the Arizona right away talk. I think he's going to sign maybe, you know, another extension with the Leafs, then maybe go home at the end of his career. But this, like, for what people claim as the Leafs' three-year window, as Nick Kiprio said in the, when he was ripping his contract, on uh, ripping Matthews' contract on his latest show, um, for those that are complaining about this Riley deal, you can't expect Sandine to go jump in and take Riley's role um, with a three-year window to succeed. So, you know, paying Mo um, was completely worth it. But back to where I was talking about where the part where, you know, I kind of debated this deal. Um, Sandine has uh, the quality. Uh, I know a lot of Lee fans have talked to me about, like, they kind of see this uh, potential in him. Like, he's so poised uh, this year, and, you know, he's doing a great job running power play too, and he's shown offensive abilities. But honestly, um, my answer to that is, we saw how the Montreal series went. Maybe Lee's management doesn't think Sandine's there yet. I think they have the confidence in Rasmus, but uh, to give Rasmus a full um, workload that they would have had to do if Mo left and free agency would have been hectic and uh, would have been an extremely big hole to fill um, if Sandine couldn't live up to the part. So um, I see how fans want to look at it and how they want to express their opinion on it. But, um, you know, there is no other way uh, we can work around, uh, you know, this contract without Dubas really doing a better job. So, you know, credit to Kyle. Um, I know a lot of people don't like his contracts, but this one worked, and I think it's going to work well for the Leafs moving forward. So the last thing I want to touch on before I end the episode is Michael Amadio uh, got claimed by the Vegas Golden Knights, who, like I said, will be here on Tuesday. Um, Amadio played in three games, you know, uh, did basically nothing on the score sheet, um, which was kind of... I'm not going to say disappointing because I didn't have as high hopes for him as I did with the other offseason signings, but Amadio did play good in a, in a stint with L.A., so I kind of expected, well, I kind of hoped that he, maybe he would find his form again, but through the first three games, he was barely, uh, barely noticeable. Um, but the reason I'm bringing this up is uh, not only because we lost Amadio to Vegas, but there is now an open spot, right? And I know with the cap compliance and, you know, it's not always easy bringing up players, especially in a tight cap like the Leafs are. But a name I want to 
bring up is um, Josh Hosang. And I know we've talked about this guy in a lot of our previous episodes, but Hosang's actually had a really impressive start with the Marlies down in the AHL. Obviously, he's on an AHL deal, so the Leafs would uh, need to find a way about how to get him uh, an NHL contract uh, being under the cap. But Hosang has actually done really well. Um, He played phenomenal today in the game against Belleville. So credit to Josh Hosang. I think he should be seriously considered for taking Amadio's spot. And honestly, he might be a nice player to fit in uh, to replace Engvall on nights where management might not be happy with Pierre's play. I know Pierre offers you more of a penalty kill advantage, but Josh Hosang, um, you know, the ceiling that he's been showing, uh, you got to give him a chance. And he's really put in the work, and there's no denying that. So, Josh Hosang, I'm rooting for you, and I hope to see you in the blue and white, the big club soon, um, after, you know, a pretty impressive preseason. So, I'm going to wrap up the post game recap uh, here. I want to thank you guys all for listening. Um, like I said, the least. Next game will be Tuesday against the Vegas Golden Knights at Scotiabank Arena. Um, let's hope the Leafs get the win in that one. Won't be easy, but I have full faith in this Leafs team after two impressive victories. We should be back with a trade episode, as I mentioned, coming soon, hopefully before the Vegas game. Uh, we'll keep in touch on our Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, follow us there at the Battleborn Leafs Pod uh, for all news and updates regarding our show. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good night. Have a good morning, depending on when, you listen, when you're listening to this. Um, hopefully this kick starts your day uh, off in a good direction, uh, like the Leafs victory at the end of Saturday night. So good night or good morning. Leaf faithful. Go Leafs go.